Faith and fear are opposites. I think the opposite of faith is unbelief. I think the opposite of fear is peace. And so I think a lot of us, we live into it. But no, man, God saw this. He's sovereign. He's good. And in the midst of it, we can rest on God, but also be the light of Jesus to people right now when they need all hope. And so the government can give us directions. And we want to be that team player. We want to follow. But the government can't love. And we can, as followers of Jesus, to walk around and see our communities hurting, and we want to love on them. So we're going to unpack. We're actually not going to stop this series. I I unpack it a little bit differently, but we're in a series called Dangerous, A Church Unleashed. And this is a series all about vision and who we are as a church. So if you're on live, you're watching this, you're streaming this, whatever it may be, this is a great time to, in a sense, kick the tires of radiant life and this whole God thing and faith thing, because you're going to get what our heartbeat and what our passion is as a church. And it's found in Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel the prophet, he kind of is a mouthpiece for God to his people. And he gets this like download digital vision from God of what the church looks like. And here, Ezekiel 47 verse 1, it reads this way. In my vision, this is what Ezekiel gets, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Now, the temple was the church in the ancient world. So he brought me to this entrance of the church, and there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the doors of the temple. So we get this picture that the church is leaking water, and it starts out as a trickle, and all of a sudden Ezekiel's going to go on this tour of trying to find out where is this water flowing. And I wonder if Ezekiel thought in that moment, is the pipe burst? Did someone leave the faucet on? What's going on? Why is this water? So the angel of the Lord kind of takes him on a tour. And what we see is uh, the water is getting deeper as he goes. And the first, he's, he's uh, what we consider, what scripture tells us, he's ankle deep in the water. And then it says he goes even further, about uh, 1,750 feet. And he's up now to his knees. And the water is getting deeper and deeper. And eventually the angel of the Lord, he brings them to a point where the water is now waist deep. And it's interesting there that um, as Ezekiel is leaving the church, the water is getting deeper. And what we're told is the water is going to flow to the east where the pagans and the hopeless are and where things are dry and barren. And I feel like it kind of feels like where we are today with this COVID-19. And here in the midst of it, what we've said as the water trickles is we've had a statement so far in this series, and it reads this way. It says, the farther it flows, the deeper it grows. One more time, the farther it flows, the deeper it grows. And it's this idea of this absolute rushing river that we desire to be a church that steps outside of the church and bring the Holy Spirit to spiritually thirsty people. That this water is flowing east again where the pagans were, living with no morals, where absolutely chaos was. They were hopeless. And what starts as a trickle becomes a raging river saturating everything in its path. And what Ezekiel's getting is a prediction of the New Testament church, the era that you and I are living in flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit that touches barren and dry places and everything it touches comes to life. And in our own lives, that's what we are as followers of Jesus is you've got the presence of the Holy Spirit. You have the power living inside of you. 
And it's this idea that we go out, that the church isn't just for us, it's for those outside the walls. And that we are to go out and bring hope to people, to bring life to those who are thirsty, to bring hope to the dry and barren spiritual places of our culture today. And that's where we are. And here's Ezekiel says, while this river's flowing, he says, life will flourish wherever this water flows. And that's what we want to be about here at Radiant Life, is that we're bringing life to people, that people who are hurting and broken and sick can experience the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I love beginning to start by looking at Jesus's own ministry Uh, Jesus was getting ready to begin his ministry. And what's interesting is Jesus started his ministry on the margins. Jesus didn't start with the religious. He started with the overlooked. And here Jesus walks up to a guy by the name of Matthew. And in your Newer Testament, you have that book, Matthew. Matthew was a chief tax collector. In the ancient world in the first century, this is like capital S sinner. Like you stayed away from these people. You couldn't stand tax collectors because they ripped you off. And in the midst of it, Jesus comes up to him and he says, hey, Matthew, come follow me. And to everyone around then, all the Jews and all the religious people would have been shocked. They would have been like, are you serious? Like this, this is like chief sinner of all sinners here. And Jesus says, come follow me. On top of that, Matthew invites Jesus and throws a party and says, Jesus, why don't you come to my house? And Matthew invites all these shady characters into his house, ones with perhaps low morals. There are a bunch of other tax collectors. So this is a sinner's party. And Jesus walks in to this sinner's party and the religious people don't like it. And the religious uh, response in the midst of it is, Why does Jesus eat with sinners? Because that's the way religious people would have talked back then. Um, And so he's asking the question, why? Like, those are the outsiders. Jesus, why go have lunch or dinner with them? And why go to a party with a bunch of sinners? And when Jesus hears the religious people say this, this is, this is Jesus' response. He reads this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, and here's his response. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this is such an emotional verse. It's emotional because you realize the heart of what Jesus calls us to do is that we're to go out to reach those who are lost, to go out to be this rushing river of life for people. And it's so emotional. And that's the desire of our church here at Radiant Life is to reach people who are far from Jesus, to flow to places that are dead and bring the living water to them. And here it is. And what does the water bring? Ezekiel tells us it brings life, it brings fruit, and it brings healing. And I think this is why I believe we're in this series together at this moment because of what we're facing as a nation right now. We have the hope of the world. We have the message that brings life to people. So let's go be the church now. Let's not live in fear because I think the enemy wants us to live in isolation We're not going to live in isolation. We're going to go out and say, hey, how can I help you? How can I bring you to Jesus? How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? And for those, Jesus' dream for the church, 
Those on the out in the world are celebrated in his kingdom. They're celebrated. And here's a statement that I want to make as a church. We will do whatever it takes to bring them into the presence of Jesus. We will do anything short of sinning to bring people into the presence of Jesus. And what an opportunity, friends, we have during this time of the scare of fear and chaos of the COVID-19 to finally realize that, hey, I can experience true peace in my life, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And be reminded, friends, that the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. And I want you to experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit during this time that can feel confusing, that can feel chaotic, and that can feel hopeless in this moment. And that will mean if we have to rip off the roof of this church, of this building, remember, you're the church, this is a building, we will do that to bring people to Jesus Christ and bring them hope. So I have a powerful story to kind of unpack this. So if you're a note taker, uh, you can go ahead and grab your Bible or grab your uh, phone or whatever device. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. It's a powerful story. It's, it's a fun story. And I'll tell you, I'm going to take liberty after, at a certain point in this story because I think it's fun. But uh, Mark chapter 2, a powerful story that Jesus shares with us that's going to really illustrate this point of doing everything it costs at anything to reach people for Jesus. So Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it reads this way. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, now that, that, that city is kind of Jesus' home base. 80% of Jesus' ministries happens right here. When he returned to kind of his home base several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. And then seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I want you to keep in mind this point as we just unpack that. That point is this, that we will do anything short of sin and we'll do whatever it takes to bring them into the presence of God. And I want to ask you a quick question relating to that story that we just read in Mark and relating to this point here, how passionate are you to reach lost people? I'm going to give you a little chart here. It's on the screen. Think about this, your love for people who are far from Jesus. And you've got two extremes. You've got the apathetic side and you've got the passionate side. Now I'm going to give you a scale on one to ten. One, this is the, no, let's start with ten. Ten is the idea that, you know what, I'm basically Billy Graham. Everyone I come into contact, I get saved. And you are praying four times a day for lost people. And if that is actually you, give yourself a 10. That's awesome. And for others of us, maybe we're a one and you're sitting there going, you know what? I, I never pray for lost people. Uh, in fact, I've never prayed one time for someone to get saved. Uh, maybe that's you this morning. So I want you to really assess where are you from a scale of one to 10? Where is your love for people who are far from Jesus? Because in our story, there took four men that says, we'll do whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. And I'm curious where our own temperature is on this. 
Because if we're going to come to the church and we'll do whatever it takes to bring them into the presence of Jesus, let's not just invite people to church, let's bring them to church. Let's bring them to the building. Remember, you're the church, you're the arms, you're the feet, you're the mouthpiece of Jesus. Be the church and not just bring, but invite. So I'm going to give us this morning two quick thoughts on how to unpack this right here in our own lives and especially what we're getting into in our culture today. And on top of that, how do we actually do it within the church and knowing where our scale and our assessment is. So if you're a note taker, here's number one. Two big thoughts, what we're called to do. Number one, we got to bear some burdens. Bear some burdens. Mark, according to our Mark, uh, our Mark scripture, Mark chapter two, verse three, it says this. While he was preaching, that means Jesus. While Jesus was preaching God's word to them, four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Four of them carried him. Now, I want you to think about something in this moment. These four men did not come and say, hey, buddy, we're your friend. You're on a mat. Um, hey, we hear Jesus is coming to town. He's kind of a rock star right now. He's doing awesome teachings and healings. We'll call you an Uber driver or we'll call a Lyft driver for you and get you to Jesus. That didn't happen. What'd they do? They decided to carry the guy. Now, you sit there and go, that's weird. Why is he on a mat? Well, in the ancient world, they had no wheelchairs. So you were left with dignity set aside, embarrassed and ashamed, lying on a mat. And in order to get from point A to point B, you had to get carried by friends. And so here, these friends had a burden for their friend. We'll do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. And in the world today, with the chaos, with the unsettlingness, unsettlingnessy, whatever that word is, with the things that we're experiencing, people are skeptical of the church. They're not, I don't think they're skeptical of God, they're skeptical of the church. And we have to meet people right where they're at. And even if it means that we gotta go and say, hey, can I just be with you? And go down on one knee and say, I just wanna hear from you. How can I help? Especially during this time when COVID-19 seems to be the news and we can't get away from it. When governors are setting mandates. Instead of being fearful and pulling back, how can we engage and bear the burdens of other people right now and say, how can I help? How can I help? So the first thing we got to do is bear some burdens. Here's another thing on this, bear some burdens. Here's what I'm afraid what's happened in the big C capital church across America. I'm afraid we've turned our back to the, those who are far from God. See, I'm afraid in a sense that we have, we've turned our back like this and we haven't realized we did, but we have. We've turned our back and we've made church about us. We made the, the building about us. We say words that we think are Christian religious words. We, we don't even know what they personally mean probably and definitely lost people coming through the doors. They have no idea what it means. And maybe perhaps we've turned our back because we become so narrow focused on us that we forget to bear other people's burdens. And I'm curious, our hearts may not say this, but our actions tell us when we turn our backs, maybe perhaps our actions are saying, I'm okay if you go to hell. You don't believe that in your heart. But it's your actions when we turn our back to the world out there that's hurt, that's lost, and that's hopeless.
So we got to bear some burdens with other people. And here's, here's the final point, number two. We have to bust through barriers. We have to bust through barriers. Now I'm going to have confession with you really quick. I have never waited 30 minutes after eating to go swimming. <laughs> I didn't. Right? I, I think that's false anyways. Like, I, I eat. My, when I grew up, my parents had a swimming pool. I ate, and I was in that pool, right? I never waited. Guess what else I never did? I never rode a bike with a helmet, and I still survived. You know what else I did? I ran with scissors in my hand. <laughs> open. Okay? On top of that, I have ran with a sucker in my mouth. And guess what? I have also eaten glue. Now, maybe some of you are like, that's what's wrong with you. I knew it right there. It's the glue. But Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 4, here's what it says. They couldn't bring Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I love this. They had to bust through barriers. Hey, there's too many people. What are we going to do? Uh-oh. Uh, we can't get in through the door. Hey, I got a great idea. That roof is flat up there. Now, in the ancient world, the roofs were flat, and the, uh, the beams would be every three to four feet, and then they would put thatch and mud and sometimes even manure to keep it intact. So guess what? Sometimes you got to dig through some you-know-what in order to get some friends to Jesus. And it gets messy, but it's worth it. And here those friends are. You've got Mo, Curly, Larry, and George. And they got their friend, and they get up there. Like, you got to think about this. How cool is it that they got this guy on the mat up on the top of the roof? That's pretty amazing. And what do they look for? Hey, there's rope. Well, all right, we got some rope. And they dug in between those beams that would have been three to four feet apart. And they dug, and they look down, and there's Jesus because it's packed. And they start lowering him down, and they get to a certain point, and they got to stop. And George goes, Curly. How much more rope do we have? And he's like, you only got about six more inches. He's like, all right. We're going to have to drop him from here. On the count of three, baby. We're going to get him to Jesus. One, two, three. Let go. Boom. And he falls on the floor. I mean, come on. They're not going to re-paralyze him. He's paralyzed. I mean, what's going to... Hey, Jesus, fix him. Pray for his butt, too. It's probably a little bruised right now. But they had to bust through barriers to get him to Jesus. And I think now we're in a moment within the church with the COVID-19 to do things that the church has never done before. And I think we're in this moment that perhaps doing different things with streaming a video and doing things that's busting through our barriers that we're used to. And we didn't cancel services. We did not cancel services. We moved our services. And we did not cancel church because you are the church. You can't cancel the church. But we will do anything and everything we can. It's not that we want to. It's that we have to. Because heaven and hell are realities. And there is legitimate fear in our culture today. And in this moment. And perhaps we got to get back to the church. Back to being the church which was the most creative center in the universe back in the day. And perhaps it's going to start here. And perhaps this virus 
that the devil's sitting there going, ha, I got churches in isolation. I got perhaps what he meant for evil, God's going to use for good. And maybe it's going to take some things and twisting and doing this or that that we have never done as a church before. And it's not that we want to. It's that we have to. And we'll be creative. And we'll reach people. As I close, I want to share this story with you. The story came at a conference about two weeks ago where Pastor Josh and I were in Orlando, Florida, and the pastor was relaying a message. And as this pastor was giving the message, they were talking about ministering downtown in a, in a metropolitan area in a drug-infested park. This is a park where you stayed away from. It's where all the drug lords were. It's where all the drugs. In fact, this park even became the park where kids would come to play and they played with drug paraphernalia. It's the place you stayed away from. So they decided to go and have church in inner city and launch this church. And when they're launching this church, they're having a Bible study. And that one evening, they had a Bible study. And this is what they were studying right here from the book of, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14. And while they were in that room, they were studying that you are the light of the world. And it dawned on this gentleman, this gentleman who once was a drug addict that went to that park. And he turned to the pastor and he says, we're the light of the world. The pastor says, yeah. That's what Jesus tells us as followers of him. We're the light of the world. And all of a sudden, he gets up and starts running out of the church. The pastor's like, well, that's weird. Where's, where are they going? So the pastor followed. Hey, where are you going? And he's running down the street now. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. The pastor's like, oh, man. Like, there's a fine line between filled with the spirit and being crazy mentally. And, this, and the pastor's like, all right, whoa. Are, like, are we going to look freaky? Are you really filled with the spirit? What's happening? And eventually the pastor caught up to this person. This person was in the park at nighttime. And the pastor found the person going like this. He says, what are you doing? He says, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, right? The pastor says, yeah. Yeah, we're the light of the world. And in the drug-infested park, the person goes, do you see the light piercing the darkness right now? We're called to be the light. And be reminded what John writes in John 1, chapter 5, or chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So friends, let's not live in fear. Let's have faith triumph over fear. But friends, right here, Let's go be the light. Go be the light. Bear some burdens. Break through barriers. And let's keep reaching not only the lost people who are far from Jesus, but let's reach those who are right now trembling in fear with COVID-19. Be the light. So let me pray. Father God, May we live into this. May we live into 2 Timothy 1.7 that 
we will not be driven by fear, but of power, of sound mind, and of love. And in this moment when people are absolutely wondering with this virus and they're scared and whether we believe media has overportrayed this or whether we're on the true fearful side, whatever it is, God, we're still called to be the light in the midst of this painful darkness right now. And help our church be the church. Help our church in the midst of darkness be the light. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.